Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Special. Hello. Derek. <laughs> Hello. What's happening? Well, I'm kind of excited that we're sort of getting closer to winter. It's January. We should already snow. be there. There was snow. There was snow. Followed by an absolute ton of rain. I imagine they got snow up north. Slush. There, yeah, there's snow up north. Yeah. Yeah. Tons hmm. of slush. <laughs> yeah. I shoveled my... No. If you're not... I don't know if I'd really call it shoveling because there's you're, you're 80% of water. Around. Yeah. 80% water. I just so. ignored mine. And when I left the house tonight, it was all gone. No, see, ours is still around. So I know that because I'm not the first one out tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Tracy is. Yeah. Which means it's going to freeze. <laughs> and she's going to go ass over tea kettle down yeah. the steps. Oh. But if it was me out first, You're gonna it, it would have been fine. <laughs> You're but, yeah, because she's going out first. If I lay down salt, it'll be too yeah. late at that point because she'll already be laying at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> So yeah, I just knew I just did that. But yeah, I, man, I wish the snow would get here. I know. Eventually. Yeah. It's on its way, apparently. They say it's supposed to snow this weekend. Well, I'm hoping we're going to get something soon like uh I'm still planning, still haven't figured out where we're going to go yet, but like the family day weekend winter camping trip, I'm I uh uh I'm trying to kind of narrow it down and uh I was talking to camper Christina today and she suggested Killarney and I hadn't thought about that. So now I'm, I got to reach out to Dwayne and Miriam and, Miriam and uh, see what they uh, have suggestions for up that way. Well, they just closed the gate too, so you can't drive in now. You got to Yeah, so that's one key thing. I need the car to be safe off the road somewheres and type thing, well, right? I, yeah, I think you can park there. You just can't drive to your campsite. Oh, no, that's fine. No, I'm not. I don't want a campsite. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I don't know other than that. I don't want a campsite. I, I'm go, We're going back country. I'm snowshoeing somewhere, so it's. Uh, I want something off grid, off somewhere, out in the boonies, out in the bush. Yeah, I talked to Dwayne like not Mew Lake, not the airfield, not whatever. Um, so a hundred miles away. Yeah. So right now, what I'm thinking is Pog Lake, do the rail trail, like we talked about. And we had done this trip. I don't know if you were there. I know Mark was there and Mike was there. Marcus was there. We built an igloo that weekend. No, it was me. But uh, we went down the rail trail. And we camped down at the base of the bluff below Centennial Ridges Trail in the forest there on the edge of Whitefish Lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of in my mind what I think we're going to do. But we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully the ice is thick enough. Well, we're going to avoid all water travel. We're not going to do that. Because I don't, I don't trust the ice this year. Yeah. Like it's, it's just uh, we're we're not getting consistently cold weather. You need, you need like what minus twenty, minus thirty consistently to get a decent layer. Because any snowfall is going to insulate it. Mm-hmm. So without uh, minus thirty degree weather, you're not going to get a layer of ice. Good plan. Mm-hmm. Good plan. So only land travel. And everybody gets to poop in the bush. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, if you want to try Killarney. Yeah, so I'd, I'd be uh, talking yeah. to a couple of the people up there and mm-hmm. just to see what the uh, even Ted from Killarney Outfitters they should be open in the winter. I think I just know oh, them for yeah. summer stuff. Yeah, they they would uh, have some information uh, as well. I'm sure, but Dwayne would know. Well, Dwayne would know. Yeah, Dwayne knows everything. <laughs> just don't tell Dwayne we said that. <laughs> so what else is up? Oh, I uh, got an email. <gasps> uh, my canoe is ready. Already? Yep. Wow. So Johnny's Boat Shop has uh, finished my canoe, and 
I've already paid them, and I have to figure out when I can go get it. It's I don't want to make a special trip just to get the canoe. You got to go all the way up to uh, uh, Huntsville. That's it. Yeah, but I'm not going to make a trip just to get the canoe. It's not like I need it. Yeah, but if you got another reason to go up there, I don't have another reason. Maybe what we can do is I can some weekend when we do have more snow. We'll go up for, maybe we'll go up for a Saturday and go hiking. Or in February over family day. No, I'm going to have a, if I go up camping, I'm going to have a roof rack on or like a, like yeah. a, one of those. Uh, so will I. No, but it'll be one of those boxes, roof boxes. Not me. I or, could just have roof racks on <laughs> and you could say, hey, Johnny, my buddy Shawnee yeah, is yeah, coming would, to pick up that my would boat. Work. That would work. And then but, I'll say, I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about as I drive away with your canoe. <laughs> <laughs> All new and fixed like. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, uh, it's, he said it's safe on his rack. He's, it's, uh, it, he's got like, I don't know, he can store like 20 or 30 canoes up there just outdoors. So it'll be fine until I get up there to get it. Well, in February, if there's some open water, I could give it a whirl for you. And there you sure go. <laughs> it doesn't leak. <laughs> nope, still leaking. Must be that big iceberg. Yeah, I we'll hit. see. I, I hope he get all the, the bad spots patched because there's a lot of bad spots. You're probably just getting a whole new canoe. <laughs> we just don't know it. <laughs> it'll be amazing. He, he, put, he put a new yoke on it, new seats, uh, new... Uh, toe and nose cap on it and uh he patched some holes multiple holes i don't i assume he put a paint he painted it i assume he'd paint it he's refinished it so i assume he put another gel coat or something on it i would think he didn't say you didn't ask no i didn't ask (laughs) nerd i did ask him to send me a picture it's red (laughs) (laughs) so we'll see yeah i left you a green canoe but it's red My 25-year-old canoe is new again. Ish. Ish. New-ish. New-ish. Yeah. New-ish. So I'm excited about that. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Nothing else going on? Nope. Nope. Nothing else. Just trying to plan that uh, camping trip. Oh, you'll mm-hmm. get a plan. Mm-hmm. If we can get snow on the ground, I want to set the tent up and uh, test out all the gear in the backyard. When was the last time you had it up? I've never had it up. Yeah, you want to be testing that before you take exactly. it. Exactly. Now would be the perfect time to try it. With snow. I want snow on the ground. Well, then you got to pack it. If you're packing it away with snow. Yeah, it'll dry in the in the garage. I'll hang it in the garage to dry. Make sure you do. Leave it up for a couple of days. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. So we got a message. From? Emma Marie. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for this uh, information. Uh, I'm just listening to the new podcast, she says. You're drinking Sober Carpenter. Uh, Not going to work for us guys, she says. (laughs) This is not going to work for you guys. My husband and I love craft beer, maybe too much. But we have been experimenting with the near beer alternatives. Her husband likes Corona as a generic hot summer day beer. And I got to agree. what I'm drinking right now. Right? So... He thinks the non-alcoholic version is one of the best non-alcoholic beers he's had, and he doesn't mind drinking it. We drank it. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Yeah, it's still got a bit of that near beer smell that the. It's the got last the near beer did. smell, but it also has that weird farty smell that Corona has. That weird farty smell. Yeah, you know that weird. Oh, that's that's a that's weird a, smelling beer. Well, that's Corona. Yeah. Um, then there's more alcoholic, uh, sorry, then there's more craft beer near beers they've been trying. He picked up an IPA called P- 
partake. He honestly doesn't like it, but I do. Um, so we are, we've, we've already guzzled a, a Corona. These are 0%, so I can yeah. drink these all night long. 10 calories, fatty. If I get stopped on the way home, I'll say, <laughs> I had two beer. I had a six pack. <laughs> uh, this one is non-alcoholic pale, partake mm-hmm. brewing, uh, non-alcoholic beer. 10 calories. So that's nice. This brew balances the slight bitterness of West Coast hops with a touch of malty sweetness. It's crisp, citrusy notes. Oh, that's nice. We'll see you through your campfire sing-along, puzzle-solving, or roller disco. <laughs> Which is awesome, because I couldn't roller disco before. So now you can. I'm going to drink a few of these, and I should be able to roller disco. So I just opened the Partake, and it's really good. Right? This is, I, I actually like the Partake out of all the, the yeah, fake beers I've I had. I agree. I like this one the best and so far. And Corona for me is a close second. Hmm. Real beer is a close second for it, me. This Partake actually tastes like a, a normal beer. Right? They all should, but so far... But so far, it's like... They've been... So, one for three. Yeah. Because what was it? The one... The Sober Carpenter stuff that we tried last week, like I said, it tastes like they removed the alcohol by filtering it through a sock. A dirty sock. Yeah. After a long hiking trip. Yeah. It wasn't that good. goats. But hey, 10 <laughs> calories. What did you say the calories were for the Corona? 60. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Emma Marie, thank you very much for the... Uh, Tip on Partake Brewing. Now, she also says there's a Toronto company uh, that her husband likes, and uh, so does his brothers, Harmon's Beers. I haven't seen it anywhere. Maybe I'll try and order it online. Maybe I'll take a... Yeah, yeah, you can keep going with that uh, fake beer, buddy. (laughs) You just order all you want online. (laughs) It's expensive, right? I'm shocked at how expensive it is. Well, that's what they said with the beers. Dry January is to save yourself some money. (laughs) Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. Well, the key is switching to water instead of beer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you pretty much did. Uh, Thank you very much for the information. Yeah. We shall enjoy the rest of this one. Did you just bring the two of these partakes? Yeah. I brought... uh, (laughs) You want to have a whole six-pack? I guess we can. I guess we can. It's not like I'm driving. There's no alcohol in it. It's not like... Um... I got to thinking about something. This oh, is totally left field now. Yeah. So I went down a rabbit hole on Google and ended up bloodsuckers, leeches. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Why don't people use leeches anymore? People do. Um, well, that got me to thinking. They are still used. And, and that's another thing. Like, I often wonder, like, everybody goes to so much trouble to get the leech off. And the last time I had a leech on me in Algonquin... I just uh, let it fall off on its own. And it only took yeah. like five minutes. Yeah. And then it just fell off and went away. I ended up on a website. Uh-oh. Beginner's Guide to Leech Therapy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I'm, 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 it's got things like understanding leech therapy, also known as herodotherapy. Vol- involves the application of medicinal leeches to the skin. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The benefits of leech therapy, such as improved blood circulation, detoxification, pain relief, wound healing, anti-inflammatory effects. Like some of these things happen on canoe trips. Yeah, but... No, no buts, shut up. 
Just go with me on this one. Just some of the stuff they said. Like, read that, what they do again. Like, I question- Improved blood circulation. Detoxification. I don't know about that one. Leech saliva contains enzymes with anti-inflammatory and detoxifying properties. But that's a localized. It does get into your system. As the leeches feed, they draw out impurities from the bloodstream, promoting a natural No, they just suck blood. They're not separated. They're not a filtration unit. How do you know? suck blood. Don't knock the leeches, mister. <laughs> Don't knock it till you've tried it. <laughs> Techniques of leech therapy. Selecting medicinal leeches. Medicinal I'm, leeches? Yeah. How do you, you gotta sort get those them? From a reputable supplier. So I guess just <laughs> grabbing a handful out of the swamp ain't working. Pick the one with the Red Cross on Medicinal leeches are specifically bred for therapeutic use and are not the same as those found in natural bodies of water. Oh, what do you know? <laughs> Preparation of the treatment area, application of the leeches. So when I was a kid throwing leeches at my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. I'm just training to be a doctor, Mom. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Monitoring the session. Look at him run. <laughs> Post-treatment care. Cleanse the treated area again after leeches have detached. Apply an antiseptic ointment and bandage if necessary. Some redness or mild swelling is normal and should subside within a day or two. Hmm. Leech therapy might seem unconventional. Its historical use and reported benefits have piqued the interest of many in the wellness community. As a beginner, it's crucial to approach leech therapy with an open mind and under the guidance of a qualified healthcare professional. <laughs> Safety third. So whoever wants to go on a canoe trip with me next summer. <laughs> we're going to go leeching. We're, we're going leeching, baby. <laughs> Leech therapy. <laughs> hey, did you cut your finger on that night? Get over here. I'm going to fix that up real quick. Derek, go get me some leeches, boy. <laughs> and I suppose they have anti-clotting agents too when they their saliva, right? I'm guessing. Because hmm. it just bleeds. Yeah. Anti-inflammatory. Interesting. Right? Oh, the substances released by leeches has anti-inflammatory properties, making leech therapy a complementary option for conditions involving inflammation, such as arthritis. So is arthritis stopping you from paddling and canoe tripping? <laughs> well, come on over. Knuckle. I got, come see Dr. Sean and his <laughs> leeches, his yep. amazing leeches of health. <laughs> Leeches on your knuckles, on your elbow. Right. Shoulder. Well, you got a bad knee. I got something for you. Come here. Come Pick here. that right up. Bring, bring them shorts over here. Lift it a little bit and we'll just throw some leeches on there for you. Yeah. I Interesting. And they actually got a picture of somebody with a big, big, big leech hanging off their, one off each ankle. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Keeping leeches employed since 1532. <laughs> I ended up on this website, not where I intended to go, but is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple new pieces of gear. One of them for Christmas. Uh, the dehydrator. It's just, it's actually a step up from the one I had. I had yeah. that uh, Harvest, American Harvest yeah. one with just a push button. Mm-hmm. You turn it on, it makes lots of noise, really loud noise. Yeah. And then after so long, you turn it off and hopefully everything's done. And the new one, you can set the temperature? The new one is a Hamilton Beach. 
Got it for Christmas. Tried it out with strawberries last night, and all our house smelled like strawberries. <laughs> uh, you can set the time for up to 48 hours. I don't know what's going to take 48 hours to dry, <laughs> but whatever it is, you can do it. You can set the temp. What would you dehydrate for 48 hours? A body? Really thick jerky? Like inch thick meat? I don't know. A steak? Yeah. Like take it, you dehydrate a steak, take it out. And 48 hours is a long time. I guess right? maybe if you, I don't know, if you're rotating trays out or in and out or something. But that, yeah, that doesn't make sense though. Like if, if you're rotating trays and stuff, then you're, you just put it on. Well, yeah, there's a pause. Turn it back on again. And then you turn it back on and set it for some more time. Hmm. Uh, it's rectangle shaped instead of round, which makes it loading easier. Yep. Right? Yeah. Because you can do rows as opposed I to always trying to do circles. A, I have the same sort of a dehydrator as you. Yeah. And uh, my old, the old American Harvest, and it was a pain in the butt to do the round. Yeah. Five trays. Uh, it also has a herb tray and a fruit roll-up tray. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. They, it seemed to work out. Uh, it took about nine hours. Oh, it's a long time. To do a whole, like, five trays of strawberries. Yeah. But, I mean, they say quarter inch thick. Mm-hmm. Eh. So came out okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean, when you're going on trips, you can throw those in your oatmeal in the morning or something. Exactly, your cereal yeah. and they yeah. rehydrate, and there you go. Right. So I'm going to try a couple other fruits, uh, and I'm going to try banana chips in this. Oh, my yeah, old yeah. one never did banana chips properly. It went slimy in mine. Well, they went um, black and brown, and well, you got to you got to hit them with the uh, water lemon juice concoction first, yeah. so they stay yeah. the color. But mine were always chewy. Yes. Me too. Yeah. So I'm going to try them in here. They say here's how you do them in this this one. So I'll give the because I love banana chips. But um, and I'm going to try my jerky recipe as well. That's what's next. Excellent. Yeah. The second item, I was at Bass Pro Shop, mm-hmm. and you sent me a video <laughs> of some dude that jumped naked into the Bass <laughs> into Pro the, Shop into the fish tank. Big fish tank. No, that was not me. <laughs> Because they were actually feeding the fish when we were there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten away with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you. Hey, what are you doing? It's cannibal. <laughs> After much, much, much debating, I finally picked up a Jetboil Flash 2.0. Mm-hmm. I've been debating about one of these for five, six years. Oh, yeah? I just, yeah, I'm yeah, on <laughs> it. And I got the whisper light, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I finally finally bought one. It says it boils water in 100 seconds. Under ideal a conditions. half liter or mm-hmm. two cups of water mm-hmm. in 100 seconds. You start to realize how little <laughs> yes. a half yeah. liter of water yeah. really is. A cup of water is not much. No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, a cup of water doesn't even fill my coffee mug, my metal no, coffee mug exactly. that I use in the backcountry. Yeah. So, however, if you did a full liter of water, we could get two cups of coffee and make two things of oatmeal. Yeah. Like the instant oatmeal. So, for breakfast, that's perfect. Uh, with a liter of water, you could do um, a couple of your freeze-dried meals, like the uh, exactly, yes. Mountain House yeah. or Mountain Air. Usually like, yaks. what, a cup and a half of water to dehydrate some of those. Yeah. yeah. So that'd be perfect for that. So if all you're using is water, and because it 
boil so fast. You're not using much fuel. You're not really using much mm-hmm. fuel. Um, it does have an insulated sleeve on it. And on this insulated sleeve has these little, they call it a flame design, and it's clear. Mm-hmm. But when the water boils, it turns orange. Yes. So you can just look at it and, yeah. oh, it's orange, water's boiled. There is a cup attached, a plastic cup attached at the bottom that has a um, a half and a one cup measure on it. So yeah. you know that's one cup of water. So it as, acts as a protective on the bottom of your pot yep. as well as it's a measuring cup. Yeah. When you... And we found this out tonight when we, we tried, because we just tried it. Because I thought that it came with a thing of fuel and it didn't. Uh, that's just me. Um, it says uh, wind reduces fuel efficiency by 25%. Which is understandable. And it was blowing pretty good out there. So, yeah, it added an extra 45 minutes, I guess, to the... Mm-hmm. to the 45 seconds. Or, sorry, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If the wind's blowing, you can expect that cup of water to boil in in about 50 minutes. <laughs> Another 45 seconds onto it. So it was two and a half minutes to boil the, yeah. the half liter of water. But I guess that wind was coming in pretty good. One thing I oh, saw. My timer's still going. It's been an hour and 18 minutes since we boiled your water. <laughs> is it still hot? <laughs> I'll stop the timer now. Uh, one of the things I did see is that below freezing temps, the seal between the jet boil and the fuel canister may, may not be 100%, which may result in fuel leaking. So you don't want to be taking this like on winter camping trips minus. Yeah, you'll end up with a space shuttle condition there with leaking fuel through the O-ring. Which may be kind of fun <laughs> if you're not the one using it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so for things like that, I'll definitely keep my whisper light for colder temps and whatnot. Uh, the jet boil plus the fuel canister, a lot lighter than my whisper light and the the red fuel bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also bought the pot holder attachment that lets me sit it on top of the the yeah the uh, stove so, part. Yeah, and I can use other. I don't have to use a jet boil pot or something like that. Exactly, I can use a regular old frying pan or something like that. So you fry up eggs. You can put a pan on it or pot on it. Boil water, make soup, whatever. Yeah. Uh, according to one website, because <coughs> that's the one thing everybody says, well, how long does a canister last? Am I going to take one on a trip? Am I going to take five on a trip? Yeah. But, you know, if you have minimal usage, so you're only boiling 500 milliliters of water at breakfast, 500 at dinner. Yeah. So that's like 10, um, 10 grams of gas yep. is what they're saying. Five, five for breakfast, five for lunch. Over a four-day period, that's 40 grams. So that, you taking one of those small little ones is more than enough. Now, I don't know why they did this one in four days as opposed to four and a half like the other two. A moderate, they're saying 500 at breakfast, lunch, and dinner is 15 grams of gas per day for 68 over four and a half days. Yeah. And I'm thinking they're saying four and a half because you're eating lunch on the way home. Not yeah. At it's a funny how they right? yeah. And for heavier use, you're using 750 um, milliliters of water. So you're you know three quarters of a liter. Mm-hmm. You're boiling. Yep. Takes 7.5 grams of gas. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, over four and a half days, it's 101 total grams of gas you're using. So you have an MSR little tank there. Yep. And that's 110 
Yes. Grams, right? Yeah, and the b- larger one is 227. Okay. So the canisters for jet boil, they have come in 100, 230, and 450 gram sizes. Yeah. But if you got the MSR one and it works on that, yep. you got 110, you need one of those for a four, four and a half day trip, a five day trip. Yes. If you're just using it for boiling water. But if you go for the 450 gram one, that'll more than do you for a, for a five yeah. day trip. Yeah. Right. Um, we have the tendency to do the just add water meals and, you know, so this is, this is great for that. But if I'm going on a trip that's going to have, be a bit longer and have more involved meals, I'll probably still take the whisper late. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, this is great for if you're going out on a day paddle. Oh yeah. Just exactly. throw that in a bag, yep. you know, and you can it's stop compact. anywhere, yep. scoop some water out, filter the water or just you know, boil it, boil yeah. it up, and uh, have yourself uh, mm-hmm. coffee or something like that out on the shore somewhere. Yeah. So those are my new, new latest pieces of gear: is a new dehydrator and a, a jet boil. Oh, the jet boil. Mm-hmm. This little thingy, the stand. Oh yes, the orange stand snaps onto the what bottom of the, the can. No problems. Coming but apparently, off. you got to throw it out with the can. <laughs> this was a pain in the arse to get off. See the, uh, I've got a fire maple in it. It pops right on there. Yeah, and, and then it pops right super off. Super easy. But this is, and this has got two uh, widths for the bigger cans and the smaller yep. cans. But yeah, that did not want to come off that <laughs> can. I thought it was going to break. Yeah. So other than that, that's so far that's the only bad thing I've uh, found mm-hmm. about that. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Get, uh, like I say, get some use out of it. And I like the fact that it's a lightweight thing I can just throw in a backpack and yeah. go out for a day paddle mm-hmm. somewhere. So Nice. Yeah. You want to get into some science now? Oh, yes. Magma. 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 If we've all been following the stuff that's happening up in Iceland, lots of magma, lots of lava, <laughs> lots of volcano action. So the University of Oregon, researchers are adding new details to the geological history of the iconic Columbia River Gorge, which, okay. you know, big paddling destination, wide river canyon that cuts through the volcanic peaks of the Cascades along the border between Oregon and Washington. In a recent study, researchers show that how magma and water have acted as opposing forces to shape this landscape known for its rugged cliffs, stunning waterfalls. Prolonged upwelling of magma beneath the Earth's crust bent the river channel, pushed up cliffs and peaks as water carved a deep channel between them. Magma is still influencing the landscape today. Now, I mean, that's a lot of people, and this is what they get into little, a little bit here. Everybody talks about mountains and gorge, all that, because of tectonic plates. Yep. Not the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people look at volcanic systems and see volcanoes, the pointy cone-shaped things. But in fact, the volcanoes are just the very top of a vast network of magma transport, says Leif Kallstrom, a geologist in the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Oregon. Uh, we're seeing evidence of that deeper system working at the surface. Columbia begins high in the Canadian Rockies of British Columbia. All told, it gathers water from an area of more than 260,000 square miles and carries it to Pacific Ocean. It's been flowing in some form for tens of millions of years, though not always along the same path. 
The gorge in this amazing scenario, says Nate Klima, who led the study, the Columbia is the largest river on Earth that bisects a volcanic arc, which is a line of volcanoes associated with a subduction zone such as the Cascades. But it's also tricky to interpret geologically. Yeah, there's a lot of big words there. Klima <laughs> uh, has spent his life paddling rivers and experiencing firsthand how they shaped landscapes. In a new study, he and Karlstrom combed through many different kinds of geological and geophysical data gathered in the gorge and wove together a story about its origins. Roughly 3.5 million years ago, which realistically isn't that long ago in yeah, it's, geological... When we're talking like yeah. Earth is like 4.5, 4.6 billion, billion years. So 3.5 million isn't that long yeah. ago. A sequence of volcanic flows changed the course of the lower Columbia River filling the channel it was moving through and diverting the river northwards where it runs today. Before the diversion, the river channel was essentially flat. So what we're seeing today is nothing like what it no, originally absolutely, was. Yeah. A lot of erosions happened. Afterwards, it uh, began to arch as magma welling beneath pushed upward. The uplift in combination with an accumulation of rocks from volcanic eruptions helped create the gorge's rugged topography. Uh, Kalstrom, Klima, and their colleagues used many different kinds of data to show how the movement of magma rather than other tectonic forces explained the uplift. And like I say, I mean, that's what they say, you know, in the continents are pressing together and the tectonic plates are hitting. That's how you end up with the mountains yep. and all that sort of stuff. Well, not here. One of the remarkable things after finding this strain marker associated with the now abandoned river channel, a surface of known initial shape that has since been deformed, is that all other data sets correlated so well, it is unusual to see such a sample of compelling pattern and it's a reason this became a big result. Measurements of heat flowed out uh, from of the Earth, plus maps of the Earth's structure created via seismic waves, both point to magma pooling beneath the crust under the gorge. Other clues, like the locations of geologically recent volcano vents, provide further evidence that the deep magma helped shape the gorge. Team showed how many tributaries flowing into the Columbia from the south side of the gorge have steepened in response to magma-driven deformation. They noted spots where the tributaries suddenly increased their slope in response to the uplift, creating cliffy topography. Those cliffs set the stage for waterfalls that the gorge is famous for. Though other more recent events, such as mega floods from the last ice age, have shaped the waterfalls too. What we looked at is much larger than the individual waterfall. In each of these tributaries, the entire river system is having to become steeper. The waterfalls are there because these tributaries have to be steep to get from their headwaters down to the Columbia. How cool is that? It'd be very cool. Right? Study also shows how magma is still shaping the gorge and surrounding landscape today. And that's funny because they're still, they say like, uh, was it... Uh, Yellowstone. Um, oh, they're old faithful, super volcano. Uh, super volcano right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And that's that's over that side of the, the country as well, yeah. right? So it, it's not surprising <laughs> that there's that much volcanic activity. I mean, you think of volcanoes, you're not really thinking of 
Western United States. Yes. Oh, right? I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Molly St. Helens, right? Yeah, yeah. But and that was a big one. That's one of the biggest explosions on the planet that in modern times. Yeah, I guess over there. Yeah. But uh, but it's not a, like you're not thinking tons of volcanoes. No, 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 right? no. No, exactly. Uh, a pool of molten magma still lies beneath the gorge without any volcanoes on top. As the crust beneath the gorge bends, it's pushed magma off to the sides as opposed to upwards. Mm-hmm. The Cascades have been building for so long, volcanoes layered on top of volcanoes as magma continues to work its way up. One implication is that there will be more volcanoes in the future, more laying of material, layering of material on top of what's already there. It's going to get bigger, deeper. Yeah, that's, that kind of reminds me. So now this is not volcanoes. So one thing that pops into my head is uh, we talked about uh, the first migration into North America yeah. where uh, due to uh, glaciation and and so on that, that – uh, ocean levels were 400 feet lower than they currently are. So <clears throat> it would be interesting to see that perspective. It's a completely different coastline. Mm-hmm. And so any coastal plains would be, are currently under 400 feet of water type thing, right? And uh, on New Year's Day, they had a huge earthquake in Japan. Yep. And one of the things, I was looking at some aerial, some satellite fo- photography of the coastline of Japan along that area, and they were showing before and after images. And I was just thinking, man, to to be able to get hop into a, a sea kayak and and check out that coast because it's everything is popped up. There's an upthrust, and uh, so the coastline is completely different in some places along the area where it was affected. <clears throat> they they gained 250 meters. Of uh, of beaches and so on because everything lifted up so it it gives you the impression that the ocean is pushed out mm-hmm. but what it is is the land rose up and so you have more beaches or more coastline different coastline so, so it could be a place that you w- would paddle like yeah I paddle there every two weeks but now it's completely different right and the people that had beachfront property no longer have <laughs> beachfront property yeah now they're two hundred. <laughs> Well, it showed it showed a couple uh, fishing villages with uh, breakwaters and marinas, yep. and they're high and dry. Yeah, Boy. it's like, oh no, it shows you, buddy. It yeah. shows you. Yeah, yeah. So. and it was that was uh, that that effect happened in a matter of like you know a half hour or an hour, mm-hmm. like uh, the whole effect was done, right? Yeah. And it's just imagine like it's like oh, I used to have a dock. I used to be able to put my kayak in here. <laughs> well, I mean, it just shows you the the planet is still moving oh, yeah. and grooving and, yeah. and everything. I mean, you think, oh, yeah, all that happened, you know, millions of years ago. It's still going on. Yes. And so what? The Pangea used to be, we used to be just one big landmass, Pangea, yeah. split up. And they're seeing, uh, what is it? Uh, is it? Is it Russia and Canada have the same shield? I can't remember where it was, but anyways, it's it's interesting to see that those changes are happening, and they're saying that they've seen recent evidence that, uh, like Kenya, Africa, there's it's it's splitting apart. There's a, a it's opening up a right now. It's only about ten twenty feet deep, but it's uh, Africa. The continent is splitting. Well, if you go to Iceland, yeah, there's one place you can go. There's a bridge. Oh, you have the northern and plate. You got North one American plate, plate. On, on one, yeah, and yeah, the European, and European plate, plate on the other other side. Yeah, and if you stand in the middle of the bridge, you're in two you're, 
Yeah, there's there's a sign there, and you, you can do be on two tectonic plates, yeah, yeah. different ones, exactly at the same time. Yeah, which is kind of you know. So we had to go there. Yeah, ex- <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and so that's splitting apart. Uh, well, you talked here about the, in the Cascades. That's a what is it? Uh, what do they call it? Not subduction, a subduction zone. They called it. Which means that the that plate is sliding, the ocean plate, the Pacific plate is sliding underneath the North American plate, and so that's it's going in underneath. And that, that uh, it's, and I can't remember what the other one is. I'm I'm not a volcanologist or a or earthquakeologist or whatever, but uh, An earthquakeologist. <laughs> but it's it is interesting, and these changes are not normally overnight changes, but no. it's uh, but you know. Well, well, one little movement causes a massive yeah. earthquake, which exactly right gets you so right more now, beachfront property. What is it right now? I think it's only Disney that'll be around in a hundred thousand years to see what the differences are when they wake them back up, right? Oh, because he's the only one that's freeze dried right now. I think now. he's the only freeze dried guy. Cryo, sleep. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's whatever. probably other guys we don't know about, but Disney's the famous guy that yeah. we know. That's uh, he's. They're going to pop. Well, if you over. watch Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just heads, exactly in yeah. a jar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was uh, kind of a neat little yeah. sciencey thing. Yeah, uh, I saw a article. Yeah, I thought this is going to be our third article. <laughs> Another one <laughs> about uh, yeah. someone using paddlecraft to move drugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this time it was just a typo. The headline was talking about drug paddlers, so I looked on there. Said, "What are they? Who's moving? What? Where now? Yeah, yeah. How? What's going on now?" No, the article talked about drug peddlers. Oh. So, yeah, it was just a typo in the headline. Darn it. <sighs> I'm disappointed. Disappointed. Uh, I'm only mentioning this one because I love the variety of Girl Scout cookies in the U.S. Okay. So when we go over to um, Canucopia, well, Canucopia, they always have a booth where the Girl Scouts are, oh, yeah, yeah. are uh, selling cookies. Mm-hmm. And they got like 10 different varieties. <laughs> we're up here. We, we got don't get two. the varieties. Yeah. We no. Get, we, got we get vanilla, chocolate, and mint. mint. And That's I can't it. stand mint. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, we get that. And a couple other paddlers I know are, you know, always walk out with a few boxes. Uh, one being our buddy Preston Sear. Oh. Uh, who I think is doing another three months over in Italy or something right now. Uh, <laughs> nice to be able to work from a hotel room. Uh, but yeah, he we we always bring back boxes of yeah, Girl, yeah. Girl Scout cookies. So Grayson Burke, a two-time champion of cookie sales in Girl Scouts in eastern Missouri, has not only aced her, ho- her schoolwork, but also crushed the Girl Scout cookie program for two consecutive years, 2022 and 2023 earning the coveted title of top cookie seller in the entire region. Sounds like this ties into the drug peddler thing. I'm thinking when you start, you just listen. (laughs) With her sales technique. Right? (laughs) As a young Girl Scout, Grayson embraced the program's focus on leadership and business skills, finding creative ways to reach customers and share her passion for the delicious treats. From settling up, uh, setting up eye-catching booths to utilizing online platforms... We didn't do that when we were selling. No, I remember I selling apples for Boy Scouts. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Grayson's sales strategies blossomed, leaving customers buzzing with excitement and craving more. Grayson sold 500 boxes her, in her kindergarten, kindergarten year. year. 
Now you're figuring this probably like five bucks a box, right? Mm-hmm. So five hundred times five. Yeah. A uh, thousand boxes each year from eighth grade, first to eighth grade. So there's five grand a year. Fifteen hundred boxes in the COVID uh, affected sales year of 2021. In 2022, Grayson Grayson sold over three thousand boxes. Wow. 2023, thirty two hundred boxes. That's like sixteen grand. Yeah. In cookies. <laughs> What'd you sell? I sold a hundred dollars. What'd you sell? I sold one hundred and fifty. What'd you sell? Sixteen grand. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Um, I like cookies. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So 2024, she does that. Uh, and this is her last year, I guess, being Girl Scouts. Yeah. So, yeah. Three years champion. Mm-hmm. Holy jumping. Well done, Grayson. But <laughs> that's a lot of cookies. <laughs> three. How do you even fathom 3,000 boxes know. of cookies? Like what kind of supply system? Does I wonder she if have? her her parents thinking, "Oh, not cookie time again! <laughs> not again! Not we again. have to fill the garage this time, right? Yeah, yeah. We need to rent a storage locker yeah. for these cookies. We need a U-Haul. Yeah, unless of course mom and dad bought them all. Oh, you know that's right? maybe that's why she's uh, her sales are so high. So high, yeah. Hey, Dad, I need to buy some cookies. How many? $3,200 worth or thousand <laughs> <laughs> boxes. <laughs> Oh, so <laughs> I did my winter paddle at New. Yes. And as we talked, uh, Athena was not happy that she had to stay on shore. And it got me wondering, and I made a couple of comments, but I also saw an article where a couple of dogs had to be rescued from thin ice by local firefighters. One dog actually fell through the ice into the freezing water. Both dogs rescued and are okay. Made me wonder about dry suits for dogs. Yep. Right? And I'd mentioned that. I was going, hmm. I don't want to take Athena in the canoe because if we dump yeah. in the ice cold water, she could get she's got her fur and stuff like that. But So I scoured Google and you know what I found for dry suits for dogs? <laughs> Nothing. I, I, you know, I, I was trying to think of the logistics of how that would seal. So you'd have to have it integral, like the, the, the you couldn't have the, boot, the leg sticking out because yeah. the gussets would just, the fur would let the water in. Yeah. And then around the neck, your dog is a very furry neck, so water would get in there. So yeah. unless you're going to shave but her want- ankles and shave her neck, you're she's going to... Well, there's a look. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wrong with your dog. She's a paddler. She likes to go in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and that that's what I'm thinking is like, yeah, like how much water would get in under that fur? Yeah. Right? And same with the, I mean, the legs, okay, fine. Put booties. Yeah. The tail? Uh, that was, I'm sure that would be uncomfortable. Yeah, you'd have so to you'd leave have the have tail a, out. Some sort of leave the tail out. And then, and then she, she would need to go to the bathroom. Not while she's in that, she's not. <laughs> and then, then yeah, the, the, so there has to be some way. So I was going and looking and looking and looking. If you Google dog dry suit, yeah. you get something that actually looks like it would be a dry suit in the shape of a dog. Yeah. 
but it's made of nylon and it's just a rain jacket. Oh, okay. But you can cover, completely cover your dog, mm-hmm. except for its head, in this nylon rain jacket. But you can't make one yeah. of a dry suit. <laughs> if you have, so I did some, some, some checking out. Okay. How... How cold is water? And oh like, yes. How 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 when how when minutes? should you stop? And is it the same for dogs as it is for people? And of course, there's so many different little. It depends on this. It depends on that. And it depends on this. And it depends on yeah. that. And if you have to wear a dry suit to survive in cold water, then the water temperature is probably too cold for your dog to be in without a PFD. Exactly. A dog PFD won't prevent your furry friend from possible hypothermia, but cold water can tire a dog. So if the PFD will help keep your dog afloat, should they tire from the cold? Mm-hmm. Some breeds have higher cold tolerance than the others, such as long-haired dogs who are typically better equipped for frosty weather than short-haired breeds. Other hardier breeds, such as retrievers, huskies, and Newfoundlands, have a special double coat. That acts as insulation, which Athena has. Okay. Uh, and helps repel the water and can even help regulate their body temperature. That's why she lays in the snow on her back with her feet in the air having a snooze. Yeah. The breed of dog makes a huge difference in their tolerance of the weather, both on land and in the water. Sporting, herding, and working breeds, for example, have a higher tolerance for colder conditions and would happily jump into a body of water even in the middle of winter. And Athena was in our local river at uh, end of November. Mm -hmm. One rule of thumb mentioned by the American Kennel Club is to make sure the water temperature plus the air temperature equals at least 100 degrees Fahrenheit before letting a dog in. Oh, okay. Hmm. Dogs who spend long time swimming in cold water could risk Uh, Be at risk for hypothermia or too low body temperature. If you're concerned that your pup is getting cold, it's possible to check their temperature with a thermometer. Now, we were at the vet the other day. Yeah. And I'm not carrying a thermometer (laughs) because my dog will not like where I put that thermometer. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) ask. If it's below 95 degrees, because, yeah, you can't stick it, like, under their tongue because they're not going to. Yeah. They'll bite it. If it's below 95 degrees, they could be at risk for hypothermia. Feeling your dog's ears is another way to check their temperature. Oh, and this I yeah. did not know. If they feel cold, especially around the edges, that's a sign to get inside. Mm-hmm. Some signs of hypothermia in dogs include shivering, lethargy, stiff muscles, pale or gray gums, stumbling or lack of coordination, Fixed and dilated pupils, low heart and breathing rates, and collapsing. Treatment for hypothermia is urgent as it can quickly become a life-threatening emergency. Immediately move them indoors and begin warming them slowly by rubbing their paws while also calling your vet about the next step. At the end of the day, it's probably best to leave your doggo at home. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to risk the poor dogs. They they can't handle the cold. Like maybe some breeds, but yeah, uh, Hunter, our old dog that was like hound, Catahoula oh, yeah. with yeah. Catahoula with a uh, Moimrainer, mm-hmm. like had no hair. Yeah, and like I mean, such short, like centimeter long hairs. Yeah. Like a wind picks up, and she was like, "Ooh," or he mm-hmm. would, he he, would, he was cold, right? Yeah. Uh, Athena though, yeah, she she dives into snow banks and <laughs> has no problem. She just doesn't like. 
rain in her face, apparently. Oh, okay. I just found out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, depending on the type of dog you have and the hair and stuff, um, I guess you get farther into fall seasons, making sure they've got a nice life jacket and uh, a warm, Absolutely. you know, something yeah. warmed. And, and I, it goes, you know, the same deal. Like if they go in in the, in the fall, mm-hmm. make sure you got a warm dry something packed away something to wrap them in dry right? them off dry them off yeah. with a towel and like she's got this we had actually go to a horse place for our last dog hunter because they have horse blankets yep but they're they're horse, horse jackets but they're the size for a dog okay because uh, hunter was big chested mm-hmm. right so that would actually fit because the regular ones we were getting at the pet store didn't fit so we were told go to yeah go to this um green hawk place it's horse uh equipment and we went there and we got her this or got him this this jacket well it fits athena perfectly yeah and it's all insulated it's really warm so if we were out in shoulder season i'd have that packed away in the dry bag Mm -hmm. so if she did go in you'd have to take out a towel dry her off throw that on and it's it keeps her warm sort of deal but yeah unfortunately if you're going for a new year's day paddle and your dog doesn't have a dry suit. And your dog doesn't have a dry suit. Mm-hmm. If anybody has come across <clears throat> a real dry suit for a dog, let me know. <laughs> I'd be willing to try that. Yeah. My dog might not be, but <laughs> <laughs> at that point, she's not going to have a say in the matter. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you mean? Uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. It is interesting. It's it's. I can see why they don't have it. I can see, yeah, the logistics part of it. Mm-hmm. But... Is there something, yeah, it all comes down to, like, you can keep most of the water out, but like you say, especially at the neck. It's going to seep in. Right? It's going to seep in, and she's yeah. got that big ruff of fur yeah. around her neck, and yet it's just going to seep in through there, and then it's just going to be a big balloon of, of exactly. water. Exactly, and that's not going to help either. No, that's not going to help at all. Um, Let's go over to Southwest Missouri. Ooh. Now, I was curious why this was... Uh, Included. I guess it does affect paddlers. It does. Uh, water treatment and mm-hmm. and the health of, of rivers and stuff. Because this isn't the first sort of thing I've saw. Seen. Seen? Saw? Saw seen? <laughs> Seed. Seen. Uh, this sort of thing that people are... There's another one I saw that people are dumping waste and people are dumping yes. this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, they're, they're letting stuff leach out of their plants into the, the local rivers. And now they're finding all E. coli is becoming a massive thing again. Yeah, is that something? Right. So a Southwest Missouri meat packer has withdrawn its request to discharge treated wastewater into an impaired river after state regulators announced their intent to deny the company a permit. Missouri Prime Beef Packers, which processes 3,500 cattle per week near Pleasant Hope sought permission from the state last year to proprietary microbe technology. They wanted to use that to treat wastewater from its operations and discharge it into the Pomme de Terre River. I thought that was funny. The Pomme de Terre River. Right. Uh, It had previously applied the wastewater to surrounding land as fertilizer. So I don't know why they wouldn't just do keep doing that. What do you mean? Oh, peak throw it on land as the fertilizer yeah. instead of throwing it directly into a river. Yeah. Well, you don't want to over flood a, a, a depending on how much wa- wastewater they have and how. But they're treating it. 
with this proprietary yes. micro technology. So if anything, if they're if they're saying it's safe, mm-hmm. so pass it off to other farmers and let yeah. them use it as fertilizer, right? The company informed the Missouri Department of Natural Resources last week that it was withdrawing its application for a permit to discharge water from its operations into the Palm de Terre River. Representatives for the company did not immediately return a request for comment. Of course not. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that going around. <laughs> Palm de Terre River winds through the Ozark region of southwest Missouri and provides clear spring-fed water for canoeing, swimming, and fishing. But it's impaired... Because that's what I was wondering, was it, it's an impaired river. It's impaired by E. coli contamination. There you go. Landing it on a federal list of impaired waterways. Like I say, there's a lot of this going on. 2019, the river was found to have an average of more than 200 E. coli colonies per 100 milliliters of water. Well above the limit of 126. E. coli data from 2020 are incomplete because of the COVID-19 pandemic's effect on sample collection. Mm -hmm. Newer data is not yet available. Palm de Terre Lake, which is fed by the river. So not only is the river, you're going to contaminate the river with this stuff. Now you're going to go into the lake. Everything downstream, yeah. Also considered impaired because of high levels of chlorophyll, chlorophyll A, Indicating the water is receiving too much phosphorus and nitrogen, which I believe is usually a a result of fertilizers. Yes. Which can lead to harmful algae blooms that reduce oxygen in the water and kill fish. Some blooms can lead to toxins and bacteria that can make people sick. Hmm. Runoff from farms is a major source of nitrogen and phosphorus, which are found in animal waste untreated. The water from the meatpacking facilities processing could also contain those chemicals. But because of the river's existing struggles with contamination, environmental advocates feared, allowing Missouri prime beef packers to release wastewater into a river would make things worse. While a company would treat the water before releasing it, critics raised concerns about the effectiveness of the company's microbe technology called iLeaf. <laughs> it's like an iPad, but yeah. it's an iLeaf, yeah. L-E-A-F. The Missouri Department of Natural Resources had previously reviewed the Missouri Prime Beef Packers a request, determined it wouldn't harm the river. But after hearing concerns from members of the public, the agency announced a draft denial saying the company didn't meet all the regulatory requirements to use an innovative technology. Hmm. John Hoke, director of the agency's water protection program, said at the time that the department hadn't seen the technology used at the scale the meatpacking facility proposed to use it. So maybe the this technology... Clean a swimming pool, but I gotta think they're using yeah. a lot more water. Than but a at least they're pool. trying, right? Yeah. They're, they're, as new technologies come along, maybe eventually they'll have something that's going to be effective at cleaning up wastewater yeah. and so on. Heather Peters, the Missouri Diver- Department of Natural Resources Water Pollution Control Branch Chief, says that until the market meatpacking facility has a permit for land application, it either has to store its wastewater, haul it to a treatment facility. Or take it out of state, which means they can't even use it as fertilizer for local lands now. But, but what do you mean take it? So maybe another state allows them to dump it in a river? Maybe. Or it's or a they non-impaired it? river? Hmm. When you start, like, 
like I said, it's nice that they're doing something to treat it. But when when you start doing stuff going over and above, like you got to wonder, like at what point are we going to introduce something so disastrous into the environment that it can't be stopped? Right? Yeah. But I mean, you know what? Honestly, not really much difference between that and Toronto sending its garbage to Michigan. True. Yeah, they did right? stop, but yeah. yes. But they exactly. were doing it for ages. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hmm. stuff like this. Like you say, you end up with this nice waterway that you can go paddling on. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden you got E. coli. You know, you, you, you don't want to be paddling on something you think may end up making you sick. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and taking your family out there to go swimming or yeah. anything like that. No, I'm not going near that that river. I remember in college, we uh, we some friends would water ski and stuff on the St. Lawrence River, uh, and they said one time they uh, so Dom Tires uh, was a factory in town, and uh, they wiped out and fell into the water, and they said their skin tingled. They got out of the water, got back onto the boat, and they had a full body rash. And so whatever chemicals were coming out of Dom Tire. They, uh, it's like, whoa, okay, well, we got to watch where we water ski, right? So that's yeah. the th- same thing with canoeing and, and kayaking, whatever. It's like, if you're in an industrial area, what what river is it that like, catches on fire? Oh, was that was the Detroit River, Chicago Detroit River. river or yeah. yeah, yeah. But now oh. I don't. I've never been able to. Is this true or not? But there, you know, Rice Lake. Yep. North, what, northeast of Cobra. Toronto. Yeah. Um, it's just choked with. Weeds, but yes. awesome bass yep. and pickerel and everything fishing, right? But I always heard that there was a fertilizer plant on one of the, sh- the, the shores okay. that wastewater would go in, and that's why it's so thick with weeds. Yeah. yeah that's something yeah. I, I was always mm-hmm. told that since I was a little kid. Whether yeah. it's true or not, I don't know, but it's that sort of thing. And as fertilizer, you, yeah, that would make sense because that's why it's absolutely – the weeds are so thick there, you need a, a motor guard on it. Yeah. You know, when you're in your boat hmm. sort of thing. But the fishing is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You know what? You got people looking out for the rivers down there and all mm-hmm. over the place. So, there's just another one of those stories of you got an absolutely great paddling river that can't be used. Yeah. And this river, like they, they say, they see, you know, 200 counts of E. coli, and, and that's an incredible amount. It's like, is that something you roll over in your kayak and you get, like, pink eye in both eyes type thing? Yeah, or you get barfing and mm-hmm. stomach illnesses. Yeah. And isn't that the stuff, uh, don't lick your hands after cutting chicken or oh, yeah, yeah. clean your cooking services? Absolutely. Right? So, I've come to a bit of a conclusion. Uh-oh. I am beginning to think, just because I see stories, and I mm. saw a recent one, I'm beginning to think crocodiles are just Australia's version of our bear. Yeah. Recently, one showed up in someone's backyard in a town in northern Queensland. Senior wildlife officer Jane Burns said crocodiles can be highly mobile, especially during summer and following wet weather. While it isn't unusual to see crocodiles around McKay, it is unusual to find one in someone's backyard. <laughs> and we've had that Oops. here. Oh, a caiman. There, yeah. No, bears. No, no, but we, there is somebody dropped a caiman. It's like an alligator. Oh, that in was a, in, uh, in a pond in, in Toronto. Was that Grenadier Pond? 
It's something like that, yeah. Something like right downtown Toronto. Ooh, sort of people thing. are yeah. like, is that an so, alligator there? Yeah. But I mean, it's just like a, like, yeah. you know, just north of here and that, like, yeah, we get, across from Tracy's mom's house. Yeah, we have bears. There's around, a black bear yeah, come around yeah, there. Exactly. So I'm thinking crocodiles <laughs> are just Australia's <laughs> version of our exactly. bear. So we have these things be bear wise. Bear wise, bear safe, exactly. Croc wise tips for people in McKay. <laughs> and you can just substitute the word bear with for the crocodile. word crocodile. <laughs> Expect crocodiles in all northern and far northern Queensland yeah. waterways, even if there is no <laughs> warning sign. Obey all warning signs. They are there to keep you safe. Be aware. Crocs slash bears also swim. In, well, no, maybe not this one. Also <laughs> swim in the ocean. Be extra cautious around water at night. Stay well away from croc traps. Bear traps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that includes fishing and boating. The smaller the vessel, the greater the risk. So avoid using canoes and kayaks. <laughs> Stand back from the water's edge when fishing and don't wade in to retrieve a lure. Camp at least 50 meters from the edge of the water. Oh, yeah. Never leave food, fish scraps, or bait near water, campsites, or boat ramps. That sounds like bear. Mm -hmm. Never provoke, harass, or feed the crocs or bears. (laughs) Never poke a sleeping bear or croc. (laughs) Always supervise children near the water and keep pets on a lead. There's a lot of those things pertain to bears as yep, well, and I've absolutely. seen those rules. Further information on being crockwise, see Be Crockwise in Croc Country page on the Queensland government website. So hmm. tell me I'm wrong. You're not. It's the same, yeah. The crocodile is just Australia's version yep. of our bear. We have bears, they have swamp puppies. We have big, fat, hairy bears, and they got <laughs> scaly lizards, <laughs> scaly water yeah. lizards. Is crocodile a li- no? It's a it's a reptile. It's a reptile. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is, a, is a lizard a reptile? It's a dinosaur. Though, isn't uh, is what? Isn't a lizard a reptile? It's not an amphibian. It's a reptile. I don't know. Now I'm confused. Oh come on! I'm gonna have to Google this. How long ago did you go to school? Forty years ago. Yeah, it's a it's a reptile. <laughs> a, re- or a, yeah, a yeah. reptile is a yeah. 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 Just different species. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. And you're welcome to it. You see you see videos all the time of... Uh, and I, I don't know how people are comfortable canoeing or kayaking through the, the Florida Everglades, because you're so low to the water, you're right there, and it's just like... Mm-hmm. I've seen videos of people on fishing boats where a crocodile tries to hop up on the on the back of the boat trying to get at somebody's fish, right? It's like, ah, I don't... But it's the same thing as a bear. <laughs> so that's why the more I'm looking at this, yeah. they got to feel the same way about the crocodiles as we feel about oh, bears. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes. I mean, we're going, yeah. we're still going on canoe trips. We're in, in bear country. <laughs> yeah, true. I came across yeah. one on a portage this year. Yeah. It looked at me, climbed a tree. Yeah. <laughs> and climbed back down, got second, and, and off he went. But you got to think at some point, there's, they're, they're got, yeah. oh, it's just a crocodile, whatever. <laughs> Hit it with a paddle and be, yeah. be done with it. Stand up and scream at it. Whack it with your frying pan at breakfast, whatever. Right? Get away, crocodile. They got to think that they're, <laughs> that's their, their mentality, crocodiles, <laughs> same as we have with bears at, yeah. point, at times, you know? <laughs> anyway, that's, my my opinion. 
Uh, last thing I got here, uh, the shows. Oh, yes, the shows. So I was asked if I was going to speak at the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show. Yeah. And I said, well, honestly, I'd been so busy the last little while, I didn't think I was going to, but apparently I am. <laughs> You're going to do it, eh? I'm going to do it. Uh, February 23rd to 25th at Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show, the Toronto International Centre. It should be the... Paddle, adventures and Paddling Stage. Okay. I'm not sure which day. Probably Saturday or Sunday, I would think. Uh, OutdoorAdventureShow.ca for more info. Uh, the other place where you and I are going. Yes, we are. And I will be, I think we're dragging Kevin Callan down there. Yep. I know Cliff Jacobson usually shows up. Pat World Wilson trip. shows up. Yep. Camper Christina is going to be there. Mm-hmm. The Quiet Adventure Symposium, East Lansing, Michigan. All the bunnies are going to be there. <laughs> the MSU Pavilion, quietadventures.org for more info on that. It's Saturday, March 2nd. And we'll be there. And I was thinking, because you know in the past people have brought us beers from some of the breweries in the okay. area? Yep. If... People have ideas of some of the breweries down that way. That we could go visit? Not that we could go visit, but that we can get a couple of their beers. Yep. Remember how we did the coffee tasting? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let us know or bring us a couple of your favorite yeah. uh, local cans brews. of local brews yep. that you can't, you know, don't come over the border here. Yeah. And we'll do something like that. We'll do a little beer tasting mm-hmm. um, show. That'd be interesting. Right? Because we did the coffee one down yeah. at, we had, the, the day we left, everybody yeah. piled into the room and we did the little coffee yeah. tasting. Everyone was hopped up on coffee. If we got if we got a couple of cans of a few different flavors and yeah. we had four or five of us sitting around tasting them and we can give our opinions on them. And, hmm. And drink interesting. beer. Interesting. Yes. We we would not be able to do that one the day before we left. <laughs> or or no. like two hours before we left. No. Have you been drinking? <laughs> yes. Yes, we have. <laughs> that, that would probably not bode well no, at the border. Yeah, it wouldn't go. No, no. That's just my opinion. Yeah. That's yeah. just my opinion. <laughs> uh, Tuesday, March 12th, we are hosting the Paddling Film Fest nice. at Drums and Flats here in Ajax, Ontario. Doors are open at 630 Films start at 7-ish. We're done 11-ish. It is a Tuesday night. Uh, Tickets will be on sale on Eventbrite starting this Friday. So if you're listening to this Thursday, it's tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are going to put a link on our Facebook page, paddlingadventuresradio.com. So you'll be able to see, uh, click the link, go right to our events uh, uh, our, our uh, Eventbrite page and like I say, takes yeah. 15 bucks Tuesday, March 12th, the Tuesday before St. Paddy's Day. Yes. We yeah. held it a month later last year and it seemed people prefer, seem to prefer, yeah, we held it April 12th. Oh, did or we? Something, yeah. But people for, pre- preferred it, it too late. in March. Yeah. 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 So... So Tuesday, March 12th, Paddling Film Fest, uh, Drums and Flats in Ajax. I already talked to Shane over there at uh, Drums and Flats. Nice. And we got the, the big room with the big 14-foot TVs and all that sort of deal. And we're all registered for the Film Fest. Mm-hmm. And tickets are going. And Peter Patter. That'll be Yes. Fun. It'll be a good evening. Yeah. Always, always. This is because we can't count the two years we didn't do it during COVID. 
Is it? Did we miss two, two years? Two years, yeah. I thought we only missed one. No, we missed two because they, they canceled the one so and then they did a we virtual We did one like a week second. before yeah. lockdown. Yep. Yeah. And then the next year they didn't. The next year they only had virtual and then, mm-hmm. yeah. So we've this this should have been Seven? our seventh. Yeah. But it's only our fifth. Mm-hmm. Nice. I can't believe we, I'm still counting the seven. <laughs> Up your nose with a rubber hose. We only missed one. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, don't wait to get tickets because they sell out. They do. And We've been uh, like the first year was wasn't that big. Second year, yeah, we, had, we had that in a different bar. That wasn't it was a, a tiny, spot. yeah, tiny little bar. We, tiny. Did, we didn't expect there would be yeah. that many people wanting mm-hmm. to come to it, and uh, they they do only let certain within an area yeah uh, only one group in an area so the complete paddler hosts the premier downtown toronto correct we are the only one out durham we're going to be yeah, area durham east we're, so um, we're the only ones that allow durham east i think the next they location, used to do one out in port hope but they don't seem to do that one anymore yeah they stopped they used to do one at the canadian canoe museum but i don't know if somebody else is doing that these days but those are the only other two closest yeah. ones, I believe. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get downtown to the big one, we're it. Yeah, come join us for an evening of fun. <laughs> There'll be door prizes. Yep. Um, and yeah, I, I, we still got to get Kevin Callan down here. He always says, "Well, we'll see what's going on." But then he always ends. He's up, always busy with. Something. He's always busy. He's a busy he's man. Every, well, this is his big speaking time too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like he's hits so many different shows yeah. and. Speaking engagements and stuff. So, and unfortunately, he's got a long way to go. Like, if we're done at like, uh, at like oh, he eleven or twelve, have to stay right to the end. Mm-hmm. Just put in a. Maybe we'll raffle him off. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to, if congratulations, you won Kevin Callen. Here's his address. Just go knock on his door yep. and take him home. <laughs> Christine might not be happy. Yeah. Well, maybe she will be happy. That yeah, yeah. finally, he's out of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a spare room. He could stay over at my house. See? Hmm. You, Derek Spash kidnapped Kevin Cow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Derek Spash is bed and breakfast, and you have to serve him yeah, coffee yeah. and eggs and, and everything in bed the next morning. I'd be working at 6 a.m. the next morning. He'd be on his own. <laughs> well, no, you could just feed him at 6 a.m. <laughs> Five in the morning. Wake yeah. up. Here's your breakfast. He could hang out with Siobhan and the kids in the morning. See? can help them. they don't leave till like quarter after eight. Right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so get your tickets. Uh, I, You know, I really hate having to turn people away, but the the, the place can only hold so many people. Yes. So. Yeah, it's fire code. Yeah, it's fire code. Safety third, but no, they don't believe in that. Yeah. So, anywho. Uh, you got anything else? I do not. I'll just say that I'm excited about my canoe. Can't paddle it till spring, but hey. Well, then again, it's it's still it's a warm winter. Maybe I would be able to paddle it. Well, like I say, I may pick it up for you on Family Day weekend and <laughs> on my way through. Yeah, yeah. Be that guy with a canoe on his truck in the middle of winter again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, there's open water there. Mm-hmm. Derek won't mind. Yeah. No, that hole was still there. <laughs> it it's got it. a new scratch. Yeah. All right. All righty. Uh, well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can, de- and I'll be calling it Twitter to the day I'm dead. I know. I'm not going to call it X. The, like yeah. Sky Dome. 
Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or the app previously known as Twitter. <laughs> you can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. And there's tons of them. There's t- there are <laughs> tons, yeah. Just, just Google our name and those. Yeah. You'll find places we didn't even know we existed. Mm-hmm. Or you can just go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com. That's, the, that's easiest for me. That's what I usually do. Yeah, that's yeah. You just click mm-hmm. episode, and the new one's there. You just yeah. you can stream it, you can download it, you can yeah. do whatever. One stop shopping. Yeah. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley, and I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.